Welcome to Eurodell University with Jeff Snyder. My name is Emil Kalinowski, and today we're going to be talking about something that happened a little bit over a week ago, and that is the two big retailers in the United States of America reported results, Walmart and Target, and the results weren't great. We're going to tie in some of the news from around the world, as well as some of the the events, the things that were happening in the shadows, the collateral days, collateral shortages that were taking place in the monetary realm. Can we tie in Japan, Target, and collateral shocks, shortages? Jeff Snyder will do that for us, the head of global research for Alhambra Partners. Jeff, let's go back to the 19th of May. And the big headline was that Walmart and Target said what? They said, we can't believe this is happening because nobody could ever have predicted, but U.S. consumers are behaving in a uh, sort of concerning, troubling way. They have started to trade down in what they purchased from the big box retailers, lower quality items, which means lesser cost items, as well as I believe Walmart specifically said that the uh, purchase per ticket, which means overall spending per ticket, has gone down significantly too. In addition, if that wasn't bad enough, both retailers uh, mentioned that their own cost structures, particularly uh, moving goods from warehouses to their local stores, those costs are rising for each of them, which is going to erode profits because they can't pass along those costs to consumers, which hmm. is, again, another shocking, unpredictable result. That's the key, the last part there. They cannot pass them along. And is that because they have tried and found uh, the consumers will then avoid those products? Is it demand destruction? They have been passing along those costs up until this re most recent quarter. That's, you know, we see that in the consumer price index going to a 40 year high. So up until, especially core rates too. Let's, I mean, that's what we're talking about. We talk about Walmart and Target, uh, the core rates, the non-energy uh, for Target and Walmart, some of it food, but mostly the uh, core products and goods that they sell in their stores. Up until recently, they've been able to pass those along to customers who have been paying the higher costs. I'm not really liking it, but paying higher costs as consumer sentiment has plummeted until this first quarter of 2022 when both retailers, and it isn't universal just yet, but, but, but these two largest retailers said consumers have essentially tapped out. They've started changing, altering their behavior, buying, again, lower quality items, lower cost items, buying a little bit less than they normally do, and really sending the message back to the retailers no moss. We're done with uh, absorbing cost increases. We've gone too far. We've, the economy essentially hit its limit where this is pretty much where no further from here. We've been discussing the R word for a long time now, since at least December 1st of 2021, when the euro dollar futures curve inverted. Recession concerned that maybe what the consumers are saying right now to Target and Walmart may perpetuate into the future. The economy is based, you know, in the United States, two thirds or more is based on consumption. And if consumers, American consumers are reporting to their various surveys, they're not optimistic. Now we're seeing it in the results. Recession is on the table as the monetary measures have been warning us. We're going to go over one particular monetary measure, the four week treasury bill, and that it is confirming what we're seeing in consumer behaviors. But we can also look to other economic accounts. And in this article, which you posted at Alhambra Investments on the 19th of May, it was called 
T-bills targeted target, you list several economic accounts, including the regional surveys of manufacturing, the Federal Reserve's regional surveys. Can you tell us what they are telling us? Nothing good. <laughs> in fact, over the couple of weeks since then, we've had a couple more regional surveys come in for the month of May. So the five that I watch are the New York Empire Fed, the uh, Richmond Fed, which is the Middle Atlantic District, the uh, Philly Fed, again, the northeast um, middle part of uh, the Atlantic seaboard, Dallas Fed and the Kansas City Fed. So out of those five, four of them completely tanked in May. Three of them negative, one barely positive. And the only exception was Kansas City, which weakened a little bit, but was still relatively decent. Slow down for sure, but not nearly the same as those other four. But you have now four of these five regional surveys and the average of them being negative, which puts the economy, at least in the manufacturing sector in the United States, about the same as it was in the middle of 2019 when the Federal Reserve was cutting rates already which suggests that there's something going on consistent with what Walmart and Target are saying. And of course, the missing piece in all this, which we talk about a lot and we're going to continue to talk about is inventory. We don't need to talk about this here, but you've got Walmart and Target saying something's going on with consumers. You've got gasoline prices that are continue to go to record highs as oil producers continue to refuse to pump more oil out of the ground, which of course, the higher gasoline goes, the less there is left over in discretionary budgets for consumers, which again goes back to Walmart and Target. Therefore, we have you know, too many goods possibly running around the economy, which goes back to manufacturers who are seeing not just a softening in their, uh, in their metrics, but also you know, a, what, what really looks like a, a more serious downturn developing across the manufacturing and goods economy as a whole. In the United States and in Japan, in your article here, you mentioned that exports for the month of April from Japan on a real basis were down 4.4% year over year. So we're seeing a confirmation around the world that there is something happening, not just in Japan. We saw a similar negative uh, reaction in Germany with retail sales, similarly what we're seeing in Target and Walmart. What did we just learn about yesterday? about retail sales from Germany? Well, Germany's retail sales have been sort of, well, really volatile over the last year or so because the German government has had the repeated habit of shutting everything down whenever COVID case counts go up. So last April, for example, April of 2021, retail sales in Germany fell by 6.4%. When compared to March, the month before, on a seasonally adjusted basis, that's an enormous single month decline. But you say, well, of course, they fell 6.4% because most of Germany was shut down. Public gatherings were banned outright for more than a week during that month. So 6.4% shut down, no big deal. Everything will go back to normal once they lift the restrictions and everybody's happy. Well, in April of 2022, retail sales on a, on a real uh, price adjusted basis, seasonally adjusted April compared to March fell by 5.4%, an enormous decline on par with the previous April, except this April, there was no COVID lockdown. This was mm -hmm. an enormous decline in German consumer spending on a real basis, as well as a nominal basis. Retail sales fell, which goes back to what the premise of our episode here is all about. 
It's not just consumers in the U.S. as Target and Walmart are saying. We're seeing this around the rest of the world, which is consumers are starting to say prices have gone too far. The supply shock went on too long and too painfully. And inevitably, as we've been saying all along, supply shocks usually end with demand destruction. So given what all of these measures and all of these statistics are telling us, the day of demand destruction may be at hand. Exactly. It's worldwide. People may say uh, retail sales yes, in Germany. Right. It's not the Fed. The Fed didn't print the money that's, that's causing German consumers to go nuts. Uh, German consumers to be in. You look at the chart for German retail sales, for example, on a real basis, it's been falling since last June. So almost a year of real adjusted retail sales, the volume of retail goods has been declining since last year, even though nominal spending has been slightly higher, which is this worldwide phenomenon of consumers paying more to get less, which is not a recipe for inflation nor an economy that's going to continue on very long. And if I remember correctly, it was in June 2021 when Vladimir Putin and Russia invaded the Ukraine, right? <laughs> What's that? You know what Your I'm trying to do, right. Jeff. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, what are the excuses that we're going to use, right? Yeah, they're blaming April's downturn for the invade the war in the Ukraine. But as you just pointed out and we saw in the chart, you know, it's been a downturn since June of 2021. And it's not just in Germany. It's also Target and Walmart. And it's manufacturing's lousy in the United States, but also in Japan with the exports. And, you know, U.S. retail sales, we've talked about that before on a, on a price adjusted basis, the same exact thing. Now, they're a little bit higher because the U.S. spending went, and at least in goods, went a little bit higher during March and April of last year. But on a price adjusted basis, just like in Germany, retail sales have essentially slumped to uh, mildly contracted ever since May and June of last year. And it's it's worldwide, everywhere. You keep coming back to, as we did in calling it Euro dollar number five, you go back to around April, May, and June of last year, everything seemed to have changed. You compared in your article that we're discussing something that happened in July of 2021 to something that happened on May 19th of 2022, as well as May 20th and several days since then. And that is what we call here in the university a collateral day, whereby there's a scarcity accelerating into a shortage, musical chairs, the chairs are being pulled. And in the morning in the United States, but also in Asia, Europe, we're seeing a, a run on U.S. Treasury bills, Jeff. And tell us what we looked at last year, the sawtooth sharp, but brief collateral scramble versus the more extended version we saw on the 19th and the 20th and ever since. Tell us, and how does that relate to the real economy? Yeah, I guess that's the real key. As we're seeing these scrambles for collaterals in these early mornings, it, it's, a, it's just big picture level. It's an indication of risk aversion. Dealers are saying, we did a bunch of trades yesterday. We did a bunch of funding relationships and repo. We accepted a certain amount of collateral. But things have changed, and now we're starting to look at the world very differently today. And so as all of these leveraged counterparties are coming to funding in the early morning hours, they got to unwind yesterday's trades and roll them over, hopefully for today, so that you can maintain a leveraged liquid portfolio. Dealers who are funding these positions are saying, yeah, we're a little bit more risk averse than we were yesterday. Yesterday, you posted some T-bills, but also some junk. 
We don't really like the junk that we, we're not going to give you the same terms in the junk we gave you yesterday. We're going to mark up the haircuts, maybe. Maybe we're going to demand more T-bills, less junk from you. Whatever the case may be, as we start to roll over this repo market and derivatives markets, remember, it's, it's also derivatives. As everything starts to roll over in the early morning hours, getting ready for the new day ahead, we have these scramble for collaterals because dealers become a little bit more risk averse. And these leverage players have to find good quality collateral that they can use to continue to fund and roll over their leverage positions. And it usually gets concentrated. If it's serious enough, it gets con concentrated into these brief windows, especially in the early morning hours before the U.S. open, where, for example, primarily the U.S. Treasury, the four-week four Treasury bill, the bid just goes through the roof. The equivalent rate just falls through the floor. And it stays that way for maybe an hour, hour and a half, two hours at the most, at least last year in July. That's what we saw. You know, perfect example where just out of the blue, early morning hours, Asia, early Europe, um, the T-bill rate goes way down. The T-bill price goes way up as uh, leverage players in the market scramble to secure collateral because, again, dealers have become risk averse. And then right now we're seeing it more extended, right, Jeff? Especially Since on the 19th. Yeah. So the day after Target and Walmart, so Target and Walmart, remember that day was on the 18th, uh, mm -hmm. to Target in particular, their earnings come out and the stock market tanks. It was a bad day in markets all over the world. Uh, that because obviously what the earnings release pretended for the economy wasn't, the global economy wasn't very good. So you can imagine at the end of that day, markets in chaos, uh, I think what was the S&P down 4%, I mean, the NASDAQ down 5%, I mean, it's real nasty sell-off. You can imagine then the 19th, the day after, where dealers are saying, hold <laughs> up here. We don't want any of that junk collateral that you got, you guys posted to us yesterday. We want some good stuff today because we're still sitting in the aftermath, in the aftermath of a big sell-off. Liquidity is questionable in all sorts of risk markets all over the place. Give us good quality collateral or you're not rolling over today. And so what we saw on the morning of the 19th was maybe the mother of all scrambles for collateral where very early on toward the end of Asian trading, the four-week T-bill rate just plummeted, just collapsed. But it didn't stay low for an hour or two and then normalize. It stayed low all throughout the rest of the Asian trading, all throughout the early morning hours in Europe. And then there was another drop in the T-bill rate closer to the U.S. open so that you had this entire pre-market, pre-dawn in the U.S., pre-dawn session which was one gigantic scramble for collateral. And what's important about that isn't just that it happened on that day or why it happened, is that that will have drastic repercussions for all the days moving forward from there. Of course, we've seen this happen repeatedly since then, because once you go through something like that, on both sides, as a dealer, as well as a borrower, you have to start thinking differently. You have to start adjusting for the fact that these, you know, these collateral bottlenecks present real challenges in how you manage your portfolios and how you manage your dealer activities on the other side of things. So all of these things really do tie together. Again, go back to last July, where we just said something changed in the real economy around May and June. All of a sudden, we start seeing these collateral indications over the summer into the fall. The yield curve starts to really flatten in October. We fast forward to March and April, where we see all sorts of fireworks, especially in March. Now we're seeing collateral, we're seeing demand destruction potential in the earnings reports of retailers and risk aversion all across the monetary space. And that means systemic fragility. And should we run into something 
that we otherwise might just roll right over in a healthy economy that increases the risk of some sort of event, be it financial, economic, or even worse. And that's, that's the warning. I guess that's the lesson from today's episode, Jeff, is systemic fragility is escalating. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, present. And, and Emil, it's, as you know, it's always self-reinforcing, right? You know, the mm. economy gets bad or, you know, dealers become risk averse because they fear the economy might be getting bad and opportunities are drying up and risks are rising. And then the data comes in and shows, yes, the economy is getting bad. Opportunities are drying. So dealers become even more risk averse, which imparts even more of a drag on the economy that doesn't really need it and can't afford it with gasoline prices the way they are. And it just becomes this vicious cycle where one thing becomes another, becomes another, becomes another. And really, there's it's very difficult to get out of it, if not impossible, once it goes past the point of no return. All right. Well, we'll be keeping our eyes open. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Take care, Emil. 